Welcome, friends, to Generations. My name is Kevin Swanson. I'm with Bill Jack today from Worldview Academy. And today we're coming back into pop culture, far more important than politics, and certainly much more influential than education. And people give me the impression sometimes that they're not affected by popular culture. The spirit of the age has no influence whatsoever on them, Bill. Bill, let me say from the outset, yes, it does. I hear the way they speak. I hear the thought patterns that work into the conversations of the young people around me. Maybe they're not listening to Taylor Swift, but they're listening to Taylor Swift's friends. And they're listening to the friends of the friends of the friends who listen to Taylor Swift. What I'm saying is the zeitgeist has influence on everybody. It just sort of seeps in on you. And you have no idea what has happened to you, except for the fact that you have been influenced by the spirit of the age. Oh yeah, Popular culture has huge influence on all of us. It's just that Oftentimes, the frogs have no idea what's happening as the temperature is rising in the jacuzzi, right? It's coming up to 211.6 degrees, and some of the frogs are going, is it getting a little bit warm in this uh, jacuzzi? <laughs> and some of the and frogs then, are croaking. And at that point, they've, they're, they've croaked. <laughs> they, they, they're croaking, and they've croaked at this yeah. point. So, Bill, I'm just telling you that popular culture is important and must be analyzed and considered. And that's why we come back to it, because it has such huge influence on 99.99% of the population. Now, I get it. There are a few Amish that maybe never have been influenced ever by the emotionalism, the existentialism, and the zeitgeist of the present age. But my guess is most have. Taylor Swift is arguably as big as Michael Jackson. Pop music had almost died, but is resurrected mainly by one musician of the modern age, and that is Taylor Swift. One of the world's best-selling musicians, 200 million albums so far sold. Swift has earned 117, get that, 117 Guinness World Records. 117 Guinness World Records received the Global Recording Artist of the Year Award three times for the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry. She is the highest grossing female touring act, the most streamed woman on Spotify and Apple Music, the first billionaire with music as the main source of her income, the 2023 Time Person of the Year. Swift has reappeared on lists such as Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest uh, Powerful uh, Songwriters of All Time, Billboard's Greatest of All Time Artists. Her accolades include 12 Grammy Awards. One Primetime Emmy Award, 40 American Music Awards, 40 Billboard Music Awards, 23 MTV Video Music Awards. On and on it goes. Bruce Springsteen called her a tremendous writer, while Rigo Starr and Billy Joel considered Swift the Beatles' successor. Britney Spears labeled Swift the most iconic pop woman of our generation. Uh, and her new tour called Eras. Uh, her new tour uh, that is going around the world called Eros is grossing $1.4 billion in revenue, half a billion more than Elton John's female farewell tour, the current record holder. So she's, she's hitting, hitting 1.4 billion uh, beating El- Elton John's record by half a billion dollars. She has sold out concerts around the world. Even a filmed version of Eros being released in U.S. cinemas in October brought in $37 million the day the tickets went on sale. Eros has generated an estimated 5 billion boost. To consumer spending in the United States, forcing cities to ramp up underprepared public transport systems and world leaders to turn into reply guys. Justin Trudeau pleaded with her on Twitter to come to Canada. And fair enough, uh, there was a U.S. era show in August, uh, found it to be one of the most euphoric concerts ever. And on and on it goes from the reviewers. 
And Christians from all over the country are attending her concerts, you know, running into churches, conservative churches, reformed churches, evangelical churches around the world, around the United States, certainly, in which, well, they're all crowding into these concerts. She's probably, as I said, the biggest pop phenomenon since Michael Jackson. And here's the quote. Uh, Ready, Bill? This is from Wikipedia. Very important quote from Wikipedia. She is a Christian. And she was homeschooled in high school. Okay. So there you go. There we go. So there, there's the She's reason, a Christian. There's a reason to send your kids to uh, to uh, youth group and to home educate them. Yeah. They'll all become Taylor Swift. There you go. Taylor <laughs> Swift identifies as a pro-choice feminist. She criticized the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to end federal abortion rights in 2022. Swift also advocates for homosexual rights. It's called for the passing of the Equality Act, which prohibits discrimination based on sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity. A terrible, terrible act that would persecute Christians. She's big on persecuting Christians. She's performed during the World Pride NYC 2019 at the Stonewall Inn, a homosexual monument. Um, so one pastor made the news in Newsweek.com back in June of 2019. This was Newsweek.com. One pastor uh, made news, Newsweek.com and many other news outlets back in uh, June 21st, 2019, when he criticized her pro-gay song, when she told God, why are you mad when you could be glad? You need to calm down. That's what she told God back in 2019. So one pastor got a little uptight about that. He told Taylor Swift, one of these days, God will cut you down, quoting from Johnny Cash. Well, this one pastor had the gall to criticize Taylor Swift, the goddess of pop. What's with this guy, Bill? <laughs> oh, wait, that was me. <laughs> okay, that was me. Okay, I'm just giving you the update on Taylor Swift and her career over the last five to ten years. She's done well for herself. So far, I guess God hasn't cut her down. No. She's, it's just, she's it's got a, it's, it's God's yeah. mercy. It's yeah. God's mercy. Just it say is. it. It's God's mercy. And she's very talented. You can't deny that. She sure, has a great sure. ear for lyrics and oh, for yeah. song. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For melody. And uh she's she's a she's an accomplished songwriter and a performer. So let me take a break when I come back. I'm gonna fully analyze the zeitgeist, the the heart and the soul of what Taylor Swift is all about. Yes, she's crossing over from decadence to despair. They all do that. But what is it that makes her such an international phenomenon? Not just in America, but around the world. She represents the zeitgeist better than anybody. And the world is resonating. The heart of billions of people around the world resonate with the heart of Taylor Swift. Why? Why? That's next on Generations. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application 
and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we are back on Generations. Taylor Swift single-handedly salvaging popular music, pop culture in the 2020s, just at the point at which the world was passing away with the lust thereof. Taylor Swift jumped in and saved it. Well, here's the question, Bill, I want to pose. What is it that constitutes the very heart of Taylor Swift's ministry to the world? And I call it a ministry. She is a religious persona that represents so well the religious perspective of the age. So what is it? Well, first and foremost, beyond anything else, after surveying, I'm going to say, I don't know, a hundred songs from Taylor Swift, here, here's the theme of Taylor Swift's ministry to the world. Number one is pride. She's all about pride. And she will tell you that there is no fear of God before her eyes. That's number one. That's obvious. Okay. Taylor Swift kicked off the Chicago leg of her Eras tour with a powerful Pride Month message in support of the LGBTQ community. Now, this is what she said. Now, listen to what she says. She's all about pride. Now, we could say she's about homosexuality, but more fundamentally, homosexuality today and the zeitgeist is all about pride. And Bill, they'll tell you that. Oh, wait, I just said it's all about pride. And they will tell you it's all about pride. It's about pride month. And it's all about me being proud, shaking my fist in the face of almighty God, refusing to humble myself before God. And again, there is no fear of God at all before her eyes. Now, this is what she said. I'm looking out tonight and I'm seeing so many incredible individuals who are living authentically and beautifully. This is a safe space for you. This is celebratory space. She went on to tell the audience how prideful she feels. She says, I feel so prideful when I sing the equality anthem, you need to calm down, speaking to God or to anybody who would oppose the sin of homosexuality. She she says, I feel so much pride when I sing this song to God, before God, you need to calm down. So she feels a huge amount of pride, very prideful, she says. We can support as much as we want during Pride Month, she says, but if we're not doing our research on these elected officials, are they advocates of homosexuality? Are they allies? Are they protectors of equality? Do I want to vote for them? So very important. She has a very strong political edge as well. She's a cultural icon that presses the political edge. That's who she is. Concluding the speech, Swift told the audience that she loves them and wished a happy Pride Month. Now, she's got a song called Fearless in which she effectively expresses her lack of fear of God. She says she's fearless as she fornicates. Okay, that's, it. that's essential to the Taylor Swift attitude or disposition. That's, that's so fundamental, fearlessness, pride in the face of God. 
Now, the second thing that I noticed, and by the way, this, this was repeated more so by uh, unbelieving reviewers of Taylor Swift music. There's, there are actually entire college courses on Taylor Swift's popular culture today. In, I think including our Ivy League universities, if I'm not mistaken, Harvard has a class on Taylor Swift. But uh, if you study the philosophy of Taylor Swift, she is extreme me-centeredness on steroids. Now, this again is very much the zeitgeist today. Taylor Swift has a fixation on rivals, haters, and detractors. You notice this in her comments. In her lyrics, she writes a song filled with all this angst towards what? Towards people like me, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but, but anybody who's a detractor of her pop music position, she's at the very top of the pyramid. You know, there she is poised at the very, very, very top of the pyramid of the tower of Babel that was built there in Hollywood or excuse me on in Babylon. Uh, so Taylor Swift is at the very, very top of this and she's centered her music on the underdog, the underappreciated, the hated, the disenfranchised, the victims. And here's the quote. She has taken this narrative and spun it on herself. In other words, she treats herself as the victim. She sees herself as one who has been detracted from or hated by some of her competitors. And here's, here's the quote from uh, Taylor Swift as well. Listen to this. I think the best thing I can do for them is continue to write songs that do make them think about themselves and analyze how they feel and then simply simplify how they feel. Okay. And then to simplify how they feel. She also works the revenge game. Um, here's a quote. I don't start it, but I can tell you how it ends. Don't get sad, get even. So on the weekends, I don't dress for my friends. Lately, I've been dressing for revenge. So the vengeful elements actually show up a fair amount in modern popular music, as well as country music. It's interesting, especially the women tend to like the vengeful take on uh, their popular music. Uh, best believe I'm still bejeweled. When I walk in the room, I can still make the whole place shimmer. Let's be jeweled. I get smarter. I get harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose from the dead. I do it all the time. So it's this very much, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to be vengeful. I'm going to uh, somehow overcome uh, all of the negative things that you've said about me. Now, basically what's we're picking up from these lyrics is the world is about me. The world is about me being the victim. The world is also about how I feel. This is the zeitgeist that matters more than anything else. Much of the lyrics center around my feelings and how others have hurt my feelings and how I'm coming out uh, to overcome this problem of my hurt feelings uh, with uh, more self-appreciation uh, and self-centeredness and, and self-aggrandizement. So, so again, this is the, 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 the zeitgeist that so characterizes our age, Bill. And this is the reason why people are buying hundreds of millions of albums, perhaps as many as a billion albums from this woman, because she so represents the victimization of the age and the, the, the idea that my feelings are really the center of my life. So much of the lyrics are, are focused around how I feel. Now, have you ever heard this expression? I feel, and this has just come out re recently. I'm going to say in the last eight to 10 years, instead of someone saying, I think that 
or I believe that what you hear, it's almost habitual. It comes out from almost everybody. It is the zeitgeist of the age that's worked its way into the vocabulary of almost every Christian. I know not all, but a a huge number. Uh, They will tell you this. I feel that I feel I feel I hear, I hear that all the time. I, at I feel camp, yeah. and there's nobody who has so well expressed feelings and the centrality of me and the centrality of my feelings as Taylor Swift has done for a worldwide market. Now, there's two problems with this phrase. I feel two problems. I and feel and feel there's the me centeredness and then my feelings, not my thoughts, but rather the me centeredness. And my feelings in a extensively, overwhelmingly romantic Dionysian emotional age. And I believe that this is why people are resonating with her music. And and get this, 69,000 people attending a single conference or concert. That That's a world record. She had 69,000 people attending one of her concerts. And uh, it's a $1.4 billion tour. It's an idolatrous self-worship service. All the self-worshippers gather and Taylor Swift leads the worship in her bathing suit. And everybody says, amen. The point is, Bill, it's very religious. It's it's just the wrong religion. It's the religion of the day. It's the worship of self. It's the very heart of the modern zeitgeist. Self-identification, self-worship, self-defense, self-aggrandizement. And, and of course, constantly absorbed in my own feelings. And there's nothing new about this. I mean, it's, it goes back to the seventies, eighties when the song fame, I'm going to live forever, light up the sky, like a flame. I'm going to live forever. See that you remember my name. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. We want, we want to be known. We want to be famous. And so they're living, fans are living vicariously through Taylor Swift. She does express this desire to be famous. She is famous, but she, in her, in her being well-known, is not known by everybody in the world. And that's the problem. The only way we can, we can satisfy that desire to, to be known, to be famous. To be God. Is to Just be, say it, to be well, God. Well, the only way to satisfy that desire to be famous is to be known by the Creator. Personally, yeah, but but they, the, but the so, mirage, the, the mirage, the deceptive yes. element of it is that if I'm just worshipped by and known by everybody, perhaps I can take the place of God, right? And, and of course, that can't happen. No, and so there's a, a there's an eternal frustration involved. There's an emptiness in there, mm-hmm. and and that emptiness is is not satisfied by a, a concert experience. And you're right; it's a it's a religious worship service, and we try to mimic that within the church too often. Sadly. We try to create this emotional meism and feeling in the church, and so when we point our finger at Taylor Swift, we we really have to look and look in the mirror and say, "How are we countering that in the church? How are we as Christians making sure that we don't fall prey to the same I feel problem that you've described?" Let me hit the final descriptive of the Taylor Swift zeitgeist or spirit. And I don't think there was a better person in the world to make the crossover between decadence and despair, which is the role of popular culture, popular culture and popular music, pop music, top 40 music, 
makes the crossover at 100 miles an hour. Country music was doing it at 50 miles an hour, and that tends to be what happens. This seems to be the last hurrah for pop culture in the West. The green-haired, despairing, suicidal, homeschooled Billie Eilish. It's interesting, Billie Eilish was homeschooled as well as Taylor Swift. But she just couldn't quite pull it to the end. She couldn't bring in quite the number of people. I think she was selling 50,000, 80,000 albums at a time. Not very good. Whereas Taylor Swift is up in the tens of millions. So the green-haired, despairing, suicidal, homeschooled Billie Eilish couldn't quite serve as the last hurrah for the Western civilization, we finally arrived, it appears, at the last hurrah with Taylor Swift. It's interesting also, four out of the top most popular pop stars of the 2020s were women. Four out of four. Seven out of the top ten were women. What was the most remarkable thing about the 2020s is that women were more likely to walk over the line of despair than men. Women are leading the popular world over the line of despair. Now, men typically lead the world in suicide. Just keep that in mind. Men typically lead the world in suicide. But women are taking the leadership role right now, which makes it interesting. About half the songs are decadent. The other half are despairing. The unique thing about Taylor Swift is that she was a, an excellent crossover from Heartland Country to pop. She was a Nashville girl. She was a country girl. She was an excellent candidate to take the world from decadence to despair. Anti-hero was written in a mental institute. I mean, that's just the lyrics. Read the lyrics. It's written in a mental institute. I mean, who in the world in the right mind would buy that song? Well, about a half of the world's population is going yeah. for it. Uh, why? Well, her depression is working the graveyard shift. She, she screams out, I wake up screaming and life has lost all its meaning. Uh, she laughs at us from her cell and then tells us, I don't want to live forever. Uh, so th- that's the despair that is celebrated at the highest levels of pop culture. This is what it looks like when the mass culture has walked over the line of despair. The avant-garde in America, Bill, walked over the line of despair in the 1940s and 1950s. Remember, it was Francis Schaeffer who was saying, the avant-garde is walking over the line of despair. But see, that doesn't include the 97% of the popular culture. That's just the avant-garde. That's it. And, and, and now we're looking at a second phenomenon in which the popular culture is now following the avant-garde over the line of despair. So that's where we are right now in world history. This is the end of civilization as the world knows it. And yet something remains. Christian remains. Christians remain. Hope remains. Jesus remains. And that's where we are today, Bill. And I think we have the best opportunity ever as Christians not to absorb into the despairing culture of a dying civilization. No, 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 no. But to step out and say, Jesus is risen from the dead. We can have in Jesus life and to have it more abundantly. And we, we can live a life of hope and, and believe that it all turns out well. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross, crushed the head of the serpent and overcame our sin for us in order that he might yield for us everlasting life. That's the message that we bring to a dying civilization. Kevin, one more thing. You, you mentioned that, that it's the me-centered generation. It's, it's all about I feel, okay? I want, I desire. And we all have eye trouble. We're born with eye trouble, okay? I want this and I want that. That's our, that's our problem. We're, we're self-centered. And, and what's happened is the world celebrates that. Taylor Swift celebrates that. 
It's all about me. And yet Christ calls us to die to ourselves, okay? to pick up a cross daily and follow him. Mm-hmm. And we're to be selfless, not self-centered. And so we as Christians have a different perspective on the world around us because we don't start with feelings. We start with the word of God. We start with what we know to be true. In 1 John, it says, these things I've written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you may feel, but that you may (laughs) know that you have eternal life. And he calls us to be Christ-centered, not self-centered. We're to be selfless. The best best image to have is no image at all. No, it's not. Best image that we are to have is the image of Christ. We are to be to grow more like Him. So we're not to be have a self worth, a self image. We're not to have self esteem. We're to have no esteem of ourselves, and we're to esteem Christ above all. And that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. Interact with us at generations.org or just email me at host at generations.org and let me encourage you to take a peek at my book, The Tattooed Jesus, What the Real Jesus Would Do with Pop Culture. That book available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.